Hey everybody, I'm back. Uh, thanks for tuning in. It's the Secret Language Podcast. I'm glad you guys are listening. Uh, I hope you're going to have a good week this week. I hope I'm going to have a good week this week. Um, I'm just going to apologize on the front end of this podcast. I've had a sinus infection for the past week, so if my voice sounds a little off, it's not the audio. It's just that my face is a little bit broken right now. And I'd also like to apologize to our one listener in Singapore. I'm going to spend a lot of this episode talking about March Madness, uh, which is a big college basketball tournament here in the United States. And if you haven't followed that, this is just going to sound like a whole lot of gibberish. But here we are. Uh, I also know that our American listeners don't watch much college basketball, but I'm going to talk about it anyways because it's it's been on my mind. Uh, March Madness is over. And I'm awfully sad about it. I mean, the game, the national championship game just ended about two minutes ago. Uh, The players are still probably on the floor, still celebrating right now as I'm recording this. Um, I I just got to say, my heart goes out to the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I'm sorry. I know how it feels. Not for the players, but at least for the fans, I know how it feels. Uh, I grew up a big Kentucky basketball fan. And so in 2015, when the Kentucky Wildcats were coming in on a perfect season and lost an absolute heartbreaker in the Final Four to a team that was not better than them, uh, that hurts a lot. And a 31-0 season is nothing short of nearly impossible. And to lose the national championship game in the way that they did, uh, it's a heartbreaker to lose by 16 in a national championship just to get punched in the mouth from the opening tip and to never even really bring it close. That's, that's a really painful way to, to ruin a perfect season. Um, to the Baylor bears, congratulations. It's your first national title win ever. That's, you know, congratulations to you guys. Um, through watching this tournament, I mean, I've been so excited I mean, March Madness is like my Christmas. I love March Madness. It is so much fun to just sit down and to watch college basketball. So, like I said, I grew up a Kentucky basketball fan. I played basketball for like 10 straight years in school. It's it's my favorite sport. And college basketball is my favorite form of basketball. I think it's a much prettier game. It's a lot more fundamentally beautiful and more fun to watch than the NBA game. I think the games are more competitive. I think the players are more fun to watch. I think the coaches are better. I just prefer it to the NBA game. And I, I know I'm on the outside looking in on that one because everyone likes the NBA better, but I stand by it. College basketball is the best form of basketball there is. And this tournament has been really fun to watch in particular. Um, COVID threw a real wrench into a lot of team seasons, uh, having to play games that they weren't originally scheduled to play or things of that matter. Uh, this It really changed some things. And not having the tournament at all last year, it's it's been two years since we've had a tournament. It's been about five years since I've been able to sit down and watch as many games as I've been able to. So it's I've been like on a high for like the past three weeks. And now it's over. And college basketball won't be here for another, like, seven and a half months. And it's like, what am I going to do, man? (sighs) Anyways, 
Uh, some thoughts on college basketball from what I watched this year. Um, the game has changed a lot. Can, uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the way the NBA game has changed a lot. It's it's a game uh, of, of shooters. If if you're the best three point shooting team, odds are you're going to win. And defense was I think underutilized and underemphasized in college basketball, especially in March this year. Um, I did not see a lot of teams attacking the offensive or defensive boards all that hard. Not a lot of teams were really fighting and scrapping for rebounds. Um, not a lot of teams were doing a proper closeout. They were getting burned on shooters very, very often. Uh, a closeout is when, you know, someone, a shooter gets the, gets the ball out on the three-point line, and you are got to run up to them. Now, if you run up and take a big first step and you come in really fast, the shooter can just blow by you and get to the rim. And that's a really bad thing to do defensively. And so you do something that's called a closeout, where you come in, you get your butt down, and you chop your feet so that if the shooter decides to dribble the ball by you, your feet are chopping, they're moving fast, and you can move with them. I, I don't think I saw one of those in a single game that I watched. Or if I did, it it was like one. Like, it was practically non-existent. Guys were getting burned left and right. It was just, it was horrible. I mean, the defense was not great, uh, except for Baylor in the national championship game. They played fantastic. They absolutely owned the offensive boards and the defensive boards. I mean, they out-rebounded. They outshot Gonzaga. I mean, they were playing some truly, truly fantastic basketball. Um, I still think the prettiest offense is the Villanova Wildcats. I, I love that team. I'm wearing my Villanova basketball t-shirt right now. Um, it's a shame. I mean, they lost to Baylor, so they lost to the best. So that's all right. Kentucky didn't make it at all. That stinks. The tops should have made it. They didn't. That's fine. I mean, it was, it was a great tournament to watch. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. The unpredictability was as high as it's ever been. I mean, it was a really a fantastic tournament to watch. Um, I filled out a bunch of brackets this year, like I do most years, where I take like one seriously, I'll take a second one seriously, and then I just kind of like, you know, basically throw darts to figure out, you know, just some goofy ones. And so this year, I, I literally did a coin toss on three brackets, where I would, I, I literally just flipped a coin, and if it was heads, it was the, the team on the upper bracket, and if it was tails, it was a team on the lower bracket. And I got some really wacky results with the, the coin toss, and that was you know really fun to do. But now that the bracket is over, I can take a look at the brackets that I made, and it, the brackets were a disaster. Like, I, I lost three of my Final Four teams in the Sweet 16. Like, it just it did not go well for me at all. And the team that was by far the best throughout the entire tournament, Gonzaga, they just laid an egg in the championship game. Uh, I mean, not to undersell Baylor. They played fantastic, but Gonzaga really did not play up to their ability. And so I'm a little proud that despite all the chaos that happened to my bracket, my first one, the one that I took the most seriously, was my, my overall best bracket. Uh, I still had Gonzaga winning it all. 
which is a bummer. Um, let's see. If I'm looking at this, I got like... Oh, man, it doesn't tell me. I'm, I'm looking at the bracket right now on ESPN's website. It says that I got like 41% of the games right. I could go through and count it, but I'm not going to. So like under 50%. Like, So you would think that a coin toss would be technically more accurate than my guesses, since I guessed 41% of the games right. Uh, that's actually kind of true. So... My first literal coin toss uh, was way worse. Uh, it was 7% correct. A second literal coin toss was 4% correct. But my second best bracket, I made 6 because uh, why not? I was having a blast. Uh, one of my three coin tosses was my second best bracket of all of them, which is like insane, but it makes me happy to think that I can do better than just random. So that's just kind of a neat thing. Uh, you know, 31%. Let's look at that bracket just a little bit closer. Um, my national champion was the Utah State Utes. No, they're not the Utes. It was Utah State. They got beat in the first round, and it still was my best bracket, uh, which is, like, truly insane that that would happen. Because, I mean, how how is it that my national champion, which is worth the most points throughout the entire tournament to get right, can lose in the first round and it still ends up being my second to best bracket? Like, it's, it's crazy how uh, horrible my brackets were this year. Um, they were really bad. I think I just barely did better than my wife, who has watched even less college basketball than I have this year, which, you know, I'm not trying to, like, say, yeah, I dunked on my wife, but, I mean, she she picked some really good teams, and she just about beat me. That's how wild it was. So, March Madness is over. I'm very sad about it. Uh, my favorite player to watch, not that it matters to you guys, but my favorite player to watch was by far Luca Garza, the big center out of uh, the University of Iowa. He is fantastic. He's probably one of the best players coming out of college basketball this year. Scored 36 points in, in their loss, but I mean, he shot the ball fantastic. He was just an absolute monster. Uh, so he was fun to watch. It was a blast. I enjoyed this. Um, I mentioned that Kentucky team from 2015 that ended up losing in the Final Four uh, during their perfect season run, and I cried. I cried, and I'm not too ashamed to admit it, but yeah, March Madness is my Christmas. I love it so much. It's uh, I'm sad that it's gone, but I'm happy that it was here this year. There was talk earlier in the season that they were going to maybe have to cut it down to like a 16-team season, which is just like a quarter is fun because there's only a quarter of the 64 teams. I mean, it's it's a blast. I love March Madness. Uh, the last time there was a tournament, two years ago, I was still living in Bowling Green. I was in my first apartment. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but my roommates tolerated me taking up an entire wall of our apartment with a bracket that went from the floor to the ceiling. 
uh, with all the teams on it. It was really a fun thing to have around, and I'm I'm happy that I got to do it. Uh, so shout out to to Jeremy for letting me attack his wall in our apartment. So that's that's my thoughts on March Madness. It was really cool. I'm just going to bring this up because I had it written down. It was really really cool to see brothers of players that I remember playing from years past. Like that's not the first time it's happened by any means, but like I'm watching the university of Michigan play and there's Mo Wagner's younger brother, which is just, it's neat that, you know, two years after Mo goes off and goes to the NBA, his brother's playing there. And then Ryan Archidiakono, which is like my favorite last name in all of college basketball, Archidiakono. It's fantastic. Uh, The older brother, Ryan played at the university of Villanova. Go cats. Uh, in 2016 when they won their first championship under Jay Wright. And his younger brother plays there now. So, like, it was really fun to watch those games and to hear the announcers call off these names that I didn't immediately recognize, but I definitely knew who they were because, you know, they're brothers and they're, like, legacy players. And, like, that's really, really cool that, you know, there are families of D1 athletes, which is incredible enough that there's more than one in a family, and that they choose to go to the same same school that they're their brother played out like that's really like a super neat thing for me um so yeah there's that um i do want to talk about a movie that i watched this week that was um probably one of the worst movies i've seen in a very long time uh it was called it's called scoob so if you've been like zoning out for the last uh 13 minutes and 57 seconds while i talk about college basketball i'm going to talk about a movie now which maybe you've seen and if you haven't you could watch it and you can at least you know build your opinions around what i've said or make your own opinions just you know cool to compare them uh it's called scoob it came out last year 2020 it went straight to streaming i think because movie theaters were closed but they had finished the movie and they were they'd been marketing it so they put it out anyways uh it is a animated scooby-doo film and it made me so irrationally angry that I really just can't even describe how mad it makes me. Um, Scooby-Doo was probably my favorite show growing up, just like far and wide. I love Scooby-Doo. I love the original cartoon. I love all the new ones. I love What's New Scooby-Doo. I loved Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. It's like my favorite cartoon franchise like i love the characters and i love just the goofiness of it like i i scooby-doo has always brought me so much joy even as like an adult i watched scooby-doo mystery incorporated uh my freshman year of college in my dorm room like i was probably you know one could argue that i was too old to be watching it as seriously as i did but i so seriously enjoyed it that you know who cares? Like what you like and don't apologize for it. Um, but I watched Scoob because I was thinking that I could, you know, get a little more joy out of these characters. And I was so utterly disappointed. I was actually mad at the movie. I can't believe I actually sat and watched the whole thing. It's probably because I don't believe in just turning off a movie in the middle. Like, I can't do that. You know, people worked really hard to make this movie and people cared a lot about making this movie. So, like, I think it's important to finish, even though I think it was horrible. 
Um, I just want to start, you know, like what bothered me the most, uh, probably the voice acting, probably the voice acting. Um, <coughs> the same people have been voicing Mystery Incorporated, you know, the gang. They've been voice acting these characters for like 20 years plus. Like they've been voice acting forever. They've like, this is Fred. This is Shaggy. You know, these, these people with these really iconic voices, they've been doing it for so long, and there's a reason for it, because they're good at it. They've been doing it for so long because they are, their voice is like, it is the character. It's practically canon at this point. And they brought on this, like, honestly, like, star-studded cast to voice act this movie, which, like, fine, that works really well in other movies. But when you're dealing with iconic characters... Just stick to the people that do it right. Like, oh, Will Forte voicing Shaggy, just, it bothered me to no end. Like, I, I just kind of wanted to, to punch Shaggy every time he opened his mouth. Which is a shame, because, like, Shaggy's by far my favorite character. Like, if I was going to be a cartoon character, I think I would probably be Shaggy. Uh, I might get a text later from one of our listeners telling me how wrong I am, or Maybe how right I am. I don't know. He'd probably say that I'm someone else that's <clears throat> probably less flattering than Shaggy, which I'm not sure how that even works. But Will Forte did not need to be voicing Shaggy. I mean, it was an absolute nightmare. I mean, it just it just drove me nuts. I, I, could, I couldn't handle that part of it. And if I'm being honest, that's kind of the tip of the iceberg. Like, just watching the movie, like, that, that bothered me. Even if the story was good, it bothered me. Uh, to complicate the issue, the story wasn't even that good, which makes it even more annoying that the voice acting was so bad. Because, <clears throat> like, you got to do like one thing right to make a good movie, right? Like, why? So, I don't want to spoil the movie too much. I mean, it's streaming on HBO Max, which I think I might keep because. There's a lot of good stuff on HBO Max that I'm kind of enjoying. So, anyways, my little plug for HBO Max. Um, they introduced these characters. Uh, the Blue Falcon and his, like, dog sidekick. They're these superheroes that exist in Shaggy and Scooby-Doo world. And I'm going to look this up now just to make sure that I'm not... Um, just making stuff up and I'm being irrationally angry but I think I have a good reason um, Blue Falcon cartoon oh no I'm being just a little bit dramatic so my apologies to uh, the movie in the way that I absolutely just you know railed on it but uh, so they introduce, reintroduce this character, uh, the Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt, which ran for one season in 1976. So they didn't invent this character for no reason. Okay, I thought they did, and it made me really angry thinking that they invented a character that took up more screen time than the Mystery Gang did, and that bothered me. Um, okay, they didn't invent the character. He was never in Scooby-Doo. So, he didn't belong in Scooby-Doo to begin with, which, you know, he took up more time than the gang did. So, like, 
what's the point? Like, make your own Blue Falcon movie. There's no reason to to insert them into a Scooby-Doo movie where they're going to overtake the gang. Like, that's that's silly. I get it, like, for the plot reasons about being a hero and, like, being brave, which is, like, kind of the whole thing that Shaggy and Scooby don't do well. Like, they needed an example and some reason to try to be brave. And, like, I get that from a storytelling standpoint. But there are other ways to do that. And they've done it for decades without introducing a superhero. Like, it's fine. It didn't have to happen. It's like, that bothered me quite a bit. Um, like, you know, we got a lot of Shaggy, a lot of Scooby, and, like, probably ten minutes of Fred, Velma, and Daphne. Like, there's, there's no need for that. Like, this is a Scooby-Doo movie. Let's make it about Scooby-Doo and the gang. That just... It, it bothers me too much. Um, another thing I really didn't enjoy was uh, Dick Dastardly being in the movie. Uh, again, this is another like old Hanna-Barbera you know, character that they've had. He was in a TV show called Wacky Races. He was never in Scooby-Doo, which, again, why are we putting characters in a Scooby-Doo movie that have never been in a Scooby-Doo movie? Like, there's, there's no need for it. Um, they got Jason Isaacs to voice him, which, like, great. Jason Isaacs is cool. <clears throat> He's kind of like the guy that we all love to hate. He's a great, he plays a great villain. But, you know, just do a dude in a rubber mask. Like, make it a fun story. I just didn't really care at all about Dick Dastardly. Um, and if I'm being honest, I think... <sighs> They threw an adult joke in there, which, like, I didn't have to do, or, like, Dick Dastardly's introducing himself to Scooby, and he's like, I'm Dick Dastardly, and Scooby goes, Rick Dastardly. He goes, Dick, with a D. Rick, with a D. And then he just yells Dick really loudly, like, there's there's no need for that. It's not even really that funny. Like, stop, please. I just, I, ugh, it bothered me. That, that bothered me a lot. It just it let me down. And I think probably this goes to a bigger thematic issue with Scooby-Doo. Um, like, the big bad, apart from Dick Dastardly, is that, like, Dick Dastardly's whole plan here, his whole scheme is <clears throat> to... Um, Dick Dastardly's whole plan is to collect the three skulls of Cerberus, you know, the 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 guard dog that protects, you know, like, the, that's the gatekeeper to the underworld in Greek mythology. Uh, he's collecting the three skulls of Cerberus, and he has to use Scooby-Doo, because he's the key. He's the only living ancestor of Alexander the Great's dog, which is just statistically unlikely. Like, you know how many people in the world are related to Genghis Khan? Like, a third of them. So... I don't believe that Scooby-Doo is the only one. So, whatever. That's, that's you know, that doesn't bother me so much. But, you know, Dick Dastardly is after this treasure that Alexander the Great hid in the underworld. And so he has to collect the three heads of Cerberus and use Scooby-Doo's paw to unlock the gates to the underworld to, to get this treasure and to save his dog, Muttley. Um... And, and so when he opens the gates to the underworld, uh, Cerberus, the three skulls of Cerberus come to life. And we have Cerberus, this mythical creature, walking around. 
Um, and this is like a, a greater thematic issue with Scooby-Doo and the way that it's been written in the past is that the story doesn't work when there are actual real supernatural elements at play. So like having Cerberus, an actual mythological creature, come to life through magic, essentially, like, it just doesn't work for Scooby-Doo, because that's, like, kind of the whole shtick that Scooby-Doo's been running with for decades, is we have this thing that looks supernatural and creepy, so we don't believe that it is, and so we're going to set a trap, tie him up, and take off the rubber mask, and it's someone completely different. You know, it's actually a person under a mask. Every single time that there has been a supernatural villain, a supernatural answer, the gang just falls flat, because this isn't Ghostbusters, it's Scooby-Doo. Like, it just, the story and the characters aren't built to withstand that kind of writing and to withstand that kind of pressure and, and the largeness of it. So I'm going to go back to Scooby-Doo Mr. Incorporated. Uh, this was a TV series that wa that ran from, let's see, Scooby-Doo. Here we go. Also, I, I've been like not editing these episodes, which... Uh, I've just kind of been a little too lazy to do. Maybe it makes them more authentic. Like, if you like it, let me know. Like, that's, you know, if you want me to start editing them, being more professional, I will. Whatever. Uh, anyways, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated was an animated series that was on Cartoon Network for two seasons from 2010 to 2012. Um, I loved this series. It was really fun. The animation style was a little bit uh, non-traditional, which is fine. But <clears throat> it's it's a Scooby-Doo show where every episode you have, like, a new villain in a rubber mask, which is, like, you know, Scooby-Doo's thing. They do it well. It, it follows this formulaic, you know, approach to each episode that works. But at the same time, there's this overarching story, a bigger thing that's happening episode to episode, like little clues in every episode that are part of a bigger mystery. And through the first season, you're like, that is awesome. It's really cool. You've got some really neat characters that get involved. But by the end of the series, it's this giant supernatural... I don't even remember, but I remember how upset I was at it. Because you took this series that I really loved, that had a lot of really cool potential, and you set it up with a conflict and more or less a, a greater antagonist that was too big for mysterying. Like the characters aren't made for it. The story's not made for it. And it, it ruined a really great series. And I think the movie Scoob suffers from the same thing where you have something that is too big for the characters to overcome in any kind of rational way. Like the suspension of disbelief becomes too high, which is how Scooby-Doo works is that, you have this suspension of disbelief that the characters see something. They're like, that can't be real. Like, let's go investigate. Let's go see if it's real or not. And every time it's not real. And when it finally is real, it's just too unbelievable, even for a kid show, even for a cartoon. <coughs> so like altogether, bad voice acting, 
the characters that were not Scooby-Doo characters clogged the movie beyond what was necessary. And, you know, this giant supernatural element that the characters just can't stand up to. It was bad. I gave it like a three. I'd give it like a three out of ten. Like it really seriously disappointed and upset me. Uh, one thing it did really well, and I will give the animators credit for this, is that they maintained like the visual style of movement that the Scooby Doo characters have. And so, like, you watched it, and yeah, you recognized the characters because of the clothes and the outfit and the, and the way they talk even though it was bad. But, like, when the characters would run or move or walk, it's like, that's obviously, you know, Shaggy, Scooby, and the gang. Like, they kept that visual style in the way the characters moved, and that was really cool to watch. They even... (laughs) They even updated... I say updated. They redid the original Scooby-Doo opening sequence, the title sequence except they just used the new models for the characters. And that was really cool. Like, I love that opening sequence. It was really cool to see them, like, redo it just for kicks and giggles. Like, I enjoyed that. But it's just kind of unfortunate. That's the only thing I enjoyed from the movie. So that's kind of my short-term, half-long-winded review of Scoob. Um, Watch it if you want, but don't expect to enjoy it. So... That's my thoughts about that. Just some housekeeping things. Uh, we're coming up on the end of the episode. I've been talking for half an hour. My my dear, sweet, amazing mother, um, she starts chemo this week, which is kind of scary. Um, like I said, I think I mentioned it earlier, she's going to be doing chemo every other week for like five months. So it's something like... Uh, it's like 20 chemo treatments. And so 10 or 20, I can't, I'm not in the mood to do the math on it right now, but she starts this week. It will be every other Wednesday for the next five months. Um, so like I said, Wednesday, April 7th is my mom's first chemo treatment. That's kind of been on my mind and the mind of everyone in my family, which, you know, I'm really happy. I was able to talk so happily about March Madness in this movie that I didn't enjoy, but Uh, If you guys could keep my mom in your thoughts and your prayers, uh, that would mean a lot to me, mean a lot to her and everyone else in my family. Um, It's going to be a long ride. It's going to be tough. There's going to be some really good days and some not so good days, but ultimately we're just going to keep buggering on. We're going to smile and be thankful for what we have and that God has blessed us with the health that we have and the relative simplicity of my mom's cancer. So all in all, good things. So that's the news there. Um, If you're looking for cool music to listen to, um, I would recommend listening to Fairly Well, a movie, a song from a movie. It's really good. It's kind of folky. Maybe I recommended this already. I'm not sure. Uh, Whatever. It's a good song. It's called Fairly Well. It's actually performed by Oscar Isaac and uh, Marcus Mumford, which is really fun to listen to. Like, Oscar Isaac can actually sing. Actually, now that I say the the words out loud, Oscar Isaac can actually sing, I know that I've actually brought this up already. Because for some reason, I remember saying those words in particular in, in like, January. Um, 
let's see. My 100 films that I haven't seen this year, haven't seen before, that, that New Year's resolution I'm at, I made, uh, I'm currently sitting on like 45. So I am well above pace for that. I can probably take it easy, which is good because I found out that all three seasons of Batman Beyond is on HBO Max. So I will probably be uh, watching that very soon. I'll probably bring that up because that's like a small portion of my childhood that I really enjoyed. We had the uh, Return of the Joker movie at my grandma's house. So like when we were kids, we'd go to our grandma's house and we'd watch that movie. And it was like something that we remembered very specifically. So just kind of cool update on that. Um, I'm going to give you another song recommendation because I already recommended fairly well. Uh, I'm going to recommend the song Down in the Valley by The Head and the Heart. I like that song a lot. It's bringing me a lot of happiness and joy. So give that a listen if you get the chance. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad I got to record. I'm glad that you guys are listening. Thank you for listening. Uh, we're coming on the end of the show. You can tell that because I'm rambling and I'm running out of steam. But, um, you know, if you enjoy this podcast... Really, seriously, share it with someone that you love. Um, they may not know me, and that might be a turnoff, but share it anyways. Uh, if you really hate this podcast, <coughs> share it with someone you hate. I, I get a, a, an honest, sincere amount of joy from the idea of you sending a link to this podcast every Monday to someone that drives you nuts, and they may never listen to it, but them just getting this text... <laughs> of a podcast link to that, that they don't like from someone they don't like. Like it just, it, it just kind of makes me laugh. I think it's really funny, which is why I say it every week. So, you know, if you hate the podcast, share it with someone you hate. Um, and until next week, onions. onions.